You know, I, I, I thank you so much for that, that introduction, Angie. And, you know, if I could take the time that we have left just to share my love and honor for you and what you do and the calling upon your life and supporting your husband and his calling, um, there is a special, special place in my heart for pastor's wives. And I had no idea how special it would be until you and I came into contact that, that weekend and it changed my life forever knowing you. Because now I have a wonderful, beautiful perspective that has been changed. And so thank you for that. Um, this is, I just want to bless this mother right here. This mother. Uh, Pastor Grimes, it is a, really is an honor to be here and to be able to share the pulpit with you. Um, it's not something that many pastors uh, allow that to happen. And the trust that you have granted me, I, I take it with great honor and very, in great care in the Lord. Bless you, sir. Thank you. Bless you for this beautiful marriage here. Um, I, it, this day is a very, very important day. Um, uh, Matt says, wow, that's a really pink top you have on. Yes. That's a, that's a Mother's Day parade that you're wearing right here. Um, but but um, it, it's just such a sweet, sweet honor to be able to recognize the mothers in this room. And um, I would, you know, and I know we did this before, but I would like to ask all mothers to stand. And all stepmothers, would you please stand? Please stand with me, girlfriends. Stand. <laughs> stand, for because this is... A day to honor each one of you. For all of you mothers who have carried children to birth, I honor you. I have never experienced that. I can't imagine what that would be like. This is something that you have done, that God has granted you and gifted you this very special call. And I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. Thank you for doing this. This mighty work. And Everyone that's around these mothers, would you touch them on the elbow and say these words? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. And for those of you who are stepmothers, um, I do know what that feels like. Um, I want to say thank you for your courage. Because oftentimes we don't step into a marriage or a relationship with the, with the support of stepchildren. And oftentimes it can cause conflict in marriages, trying to figure out how to bridge that gap. Are you a mother? Are you a stepmother? Are you a host? Will they receive me? Will they not receive me? It's just a very conflicting thing. So I'm going to ask my husband to come up. I've never done this before. Um, and so, but I would like to introduce you to my husband. It will be 20 years in December. This is Matt. Thank you, Matt. Having never mothered a child before, not even had younger siblings, or I didn't even babysit when, for a job when I was little. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to care for children. And, and I just want to say thank you for, for the patience that you have given me over these 20 years. Thank you for sharing your two children with me and, and your grandchildren, which are mm -hmm. our grandchildren. That's right. That's right. And so I just bless you in the thank name you. of Jesus. Thank, thank you, Matt. Thank you. thank you for saying yes. yes. Yeah. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to examine um, Hebrews chapter 12. And I would like to ask you to turn to that as I share a story because we walked up to this beautiful church. We have been here before. We know this church family and there is so much love. And, and always, 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 whenever worship begins, I go in the back of the room so I can get a sense of how God is working through this family, any family that I go to. And, and that God is in this place. There is so much love in this family. And we knew that when we walked up to the door, there were three gentlemen holding donuts. Matt says, I have never received a welcome like this before. And I'm just like holding on to this donut. I mean, my hands are shaking. I want this donut so bad. But, <laughs> and I will eat that donut. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, 
but I just can't do it on an empty stomach or else I'll be running up and down these aisles, which you do not want to see. Um, but it was just a, an honor to have that and to see the men just reaching out, the men's ministry reaching out to the moms. I believe there's a special place in the lives of every woman and every mother. It's the men. And I'm going to share a little bit about my parents um, as we go through this, this series and, and about how God can change our perspective. Because the perspective is one thing that we have been granted through the power of the Holy Spirit by living in Christ. And I cannot, cannot let this happen without saying a word. How on earth do you get this generation to sit on the front row? How is that possible? Oh. You know, worship is, is for us to worship God. It's for us. It's a communication where the Holy Spirit comes into us and gives us the opportunity. God has granted us a special opportunity to be able to worship God through his spirit that he gives us and to be able to worship freely, each one of us, one by one by one. It's kind of difficult to do such a private thing so openly and publicly for anyone and for everyone. But to see people your age doing it without... It, unashamed just this unbridled passion for the Lord you see I don't really look around and you notice that oftentimes the worship team doesn't look at people as they're worshiping because it's a, it's a private one-on-one with but collectively we're doing it together but I have to confess I did open my eyes and I saw you raising your hands over your head I said I think that's the most beautiful side I've ever seen and I want to thank each one of you who are walking in this generation who are ministering, allowing God to minister you, through you, so that you can be that light into the world. God bless you. God bless you, bless you, bless you, in the name of Jesus. All right, that's what you get for sitting on the front row, okay, of any of my events. But, um, all right, so I wanted to share with you a little bit. um, We're going to get to Hebrews chapter 12 in just a moment, but I want to share the story with you because it kind of shares the, the, you know, the love that a man can have for his wife. My parents were married um, later in life, in their lives, and uh, my father was an atheist, and my mother was a Mormon. That's confusing to be raised in that. So I was not raised in the church, and I, I did not have the benefits of sitting in the front row like this. Um, but I did have an opportunity later on in life, as I will share the story, of how all of our family did come to know the, the favor and the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ and the eternal life. And that is a powerful, powerful thing that God does. But I will tell you that my father was a loving man. He did not know God, but he was a loving, he was a moral man. And I will tell you that my father's claim to fame, and this is an interesting thing, because my father had me, my mother and father had me in their 40s, so I always had older parents. In fact, I, everyone thought they were my grandparents when I was raised, you know, growing up. And that's, that's kind of the fashionable thing today, to delay having children, and so it's not such a big deal. But in the early 60s, I was raised in the go-go boots and the dippity-doo, you know, Years. Anybody remember that time? Okay, so um, uh, we don't have to explain that, okay? We're not going to go there right now. But there was a time, and I will tell you, there was a time before color television. I know this because I was four years old. When we, our family, my father's claim to fame was that we were the first people in the neighborhood to get a color television set. This was huge. This was big, big, big. Very big for dad, especially. And it took like six men, like pole bearers, to bring this huge console television. Do you remember that? I mean, they were gigantic things. And then, of course, you turn on the television, and it starts out with just a little dot. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, I can remember so clearly the day that ours came that my father invited the entire neighborhood to sit in our family room so we could see him bring this in. And, of course, at four years old, you really don't understand what's going on. You know, you, you just know that something really great's going to happen. And so I remember sitting front and center, Indian style, waiting for this to happen. They put it in, and my father was granted the plug. plugged the plug in, but I I was watching my dad. He never sat down to watch his new color TV. He stood there watching everyone else watch his color TV, just to get the expression. And I remember standing there, and I wasn't quite sure what do I watch, because I was fascinated by dad watching us as we were watching this. But I'll never forget, I'll never forget, because in that day, and on that day, this NBC, you remember the NBC peacock? It just went... 
And then that voice. I can't do it with a... I'll try. In living color. Remember that? Oh my gosh. That deep in living color. Well, that was on a Tuesday. And that Saturday, we were going to go see the ice capades. My mother and father made a big deal about the ice capades. This is a big thing because we lived in Arizona. It was in August. It was 112 degrees outside. And we were going to go see anything with the word ice is a good thing. It's a very, very good thing. And my mother just built this thing up. It's just going to be... And I could not say ice capades, of course. And I had no idea because she never told me what it was about. But I do remember that when we got to the Colosseum, it was just filled with ice. It was filled... I mean, just ice. And it was cold. And it was just filled with people. And I just... I was just like... This, this excitement was building inside of me. I just... I could hardly wait for, for this thing to happen. And all of a sudden, the lights go out. The lights go down. And you can't see a thing. You cannot see the hand in front of you. And I hear that. Oh. And then all of a sudden it happened. Boom, the lights go on. And there they are, these skaters with these beautiful color feathers and sequins. And ah, oh, the lights were going around. And I'm just like, oh. I mean, I couldn't contain myself. Okay, I'm four. I don't have any sense of diplomacy or any kind of polishing. Nothing's been established in this four-year-old life. But all I could do is I, I could not contain it any longer. So I stood on top of my seat and I pointed out and I said, look, it's in living color. <laughs> Everyone laughed. I mean, can you imagine a little four-year-old doing that. I will never forget that day. I'll never forget that moment. I will never forget that excitement. And I'll never forget the people laughing. Now they were laughing because it was a cute little four-year-old. But I didn't understand why they were laughing. I mean, couldn't they see? It was in living color. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the passage that I have grand- that I've opened up, the Lord had granted me this morning to share with you opens up a brand new perspective, and it's in Hebrews chapter 12. And after being an atheist for 30 years myself, and coming to know the Lord as my Savior 20 years ago, that makes me 50, okay? (laughs) 51. But I remember the moment that the light shined into my life, and the darkness was dispelled, and that the beauty of the glory of the Lord came upon me in a way that changed my entire perspective. I'm going to tell you that day was a day that I remember just as well as I was four years old. I remember wanting to stand on the rooftops and shout, He's in living color. He's in living color. And every single day of my life I have devoted. Because if you were given a devastating or terminal illness, what would you do? I would say, I would do this right here, right now. Just can't you see that he's in living color? But if you're like me, you know that you have been given a perspective. You know that you have been given glory by God. You know you have been given eyes to see that the world can't see. Just like that four-year-old would say, why are you laughing at me? Look, look, just look. But see, the world looks at us and laughs at us when we say, can't you see? Can't you see? Can't you see? Can't you see? This entire message that we're going to be sharing today is about how God changes our perspective. And this is the glory. This is the light. This is something. You don't have to work or labor to show the beauty of the glory of the light of Christ. He shines through you because of the changed perspective and how we respond to that way in which we can see the world through different eyes. Now, I'm teaching a classic, and we will get to Hebrews. I assure you of that. But I'm teaching a class that um, uh, Matt and, and Betty are in, and, 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 and it's called Rules of Engagement. And, and it really is. And one of the questions that I asked this, this group of people who have been, and Rules of Engagement is an advanced discipleship class. So these people have been in the Word for a very, very long time. We know the Word. We know, we know the Word. 
And I asked the question, what is first, Second Corinthians 5.17? And right off, everyone can spit. That, therefore, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. How many of you know that scripture? Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, anyone's in Christ. They're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But how many of you, without looking it up right now, can tell me what Second Corinthians 5.16 says? It's okay. You can you can you can brag about your 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 knowledge of the Bible. It's okay. Go ahead and tell me. Because one of the mo- yes mo- yes sir. What is your name? What is it? Mike. Mike. Congratulations, Mike. Mike. Thank you, Mike. You just ruined my whole entire message. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just totally kidding. No, that is very, very true. You know, it's, it's very, very true. That, I believe, sets up one of the most quoted scriptures in all of, of, of Christian um, memorization. is 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Because what's that there for? There for. This whole entire awakening, a spiritual awakening that we're a new creation, the scripture that's tucked in, that scripture that's tucked in and hidden, but in the minds of so many people, and in, in their, in, even in our Bible study, I say, open that up, underline it, take a fluorescent pink, ladies, and a fluorescent whatever it is that men like, and I want you to underline that, and basically, and totally, and Literally, what it says is that, so now, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That's the whole point. What does it mean to be a new creation, right? It's that we have a, if you will, a new operating system. We do not see as the world sees. We see from a completely different perspective. And that is what they see in you. It's not what happens to you in life that matters. It's how you respond that reveals to the world what we really believe. And I'm not saying responding perfectly. Oh, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying how we respond when we're wrong. Because we didn't respond perfectly. That will change people's minds of what our true Christian is. It's beautiful. In in Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to flip there for just a moment. Uh, Well, actually, we're going to wrestle with this verse the rest of our time together. But I want to set this up, and I want us to know that we cannot see God, and the scripture says we cannot see God this side of heaven, face to face. We have not been able to see God face to face. But we can behold his glory this side of grace. We cannot see God face to face, but we can behold his glory this side of grace. And that means that I see God through you, Pastor. As you get up and you speak, I see God. I experience God through the music, through this worship team, through watching you raise your hands. From the man that handed me the donut, didn't know who I was. And welcomed me in. From all of you that are sitting here and, and trying to figure out what, where are we going with this whole thing. You know what? I see God through each one of you. Because God in you is the hope of glory. And that is what people see through that perspective. Jesus came to give us abundant life. And this is not an exception. This is an everyday reality for every single one of us right now. The scripture says in Hebrews 12... Um, Chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run this race marked marked out for us with perseverance. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, listen to these words, For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down on the right-hand side of the throne. You see, what he did, he applied something for us 
scorning the shame and removing that, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? It means the past is gone. The slate is wiped clean. There is no shame. Psalm 34, 5. I noticed you had Psalm up there. I love this Psalm. Psalm 34, 5 is a, do you ever have a signature verse that you sign a, every card with because you just want to encourage someone? Well, my signature verse on all of my cards that I send is Psalm 34, 5. And it says this, those who look to God are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Why? Because the moment we look to him, we are reminded of what he has done for us. And he removed the old and brought in the new. And in that perspective, we can see people from a different, different order. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... That word witness in the Greek is martus. I don't know how to pronounce it. If there are any Greek scholars, you can, you can correct my pronunciation. But really what that word means, witness, is martyr. It means martyr. And every time you see the word witness in there, you see martyr. Now, interesting, isn't it? And we're called to be a witness. What are we called? To die? Oh, I think we're called to live. But every time you testify about Jesus Christ, a little of us dies to ourselves. Because of the great persecution that's out there. From, have you ever experienced it from family or loved ones or people that you work with or just from the general public? Facebook. In any responses that you get that are absolutely anti what you believe. You know, for you to be able even to say the name of Jesus anymore creates such either love or hate. And it always has since the name of Jesus was first spoken. You know, that death to self process means life in Christ. That we expand our capacity to receive more of his love. Right? So as we die to ourselves, Angie and I have talked about this many, many times together in conversation. As what does it mean to die to even our desires, even to our rights? We have given our rights completely over to want to be seen, to want to be heard, to want to be right, to want to be first. To be best. We hand that right over. And when we do that, in the moment when you want to be right in an argument, and you submit to God that right, in the agreement with unity in Christ, that you're willing to become what? That witness, which is a martyr, that you're willing to die to that special thing within you. And what happens every single time we die? Truly, if we understand, if you've experienced this, this holy exchange, is that you have removed from the temple of your heart that very selfish thing that blocks the power of God within us. And truly what happens is it expands our capacity to receive more of his love. And what is love? Love keeps no record of wrong. Love perseveres. Love never fails. And perfect love casts out fear. You see, love covers a multitude of sins. So we don't even see each other's sins or hold each other wrong. Or we hold them harmless. Even though they have repeated this pattern over and over and over and over and over again. Sir, how many times did Jesus say we're supposed to forgive someone? Amen. And that's just every day. So it's like in that place of forgiveness, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and who are these witnesses? These are our forefathers and foremothers who had laid their life down for the cause of Christ in order so that we could be handed that baton or that, that, uh, that torch and to carry it on. And I hand it to you, young man. I hand it to you. I bless your ministry. I bless your future. I bless your marriage in the, in, the, in the days ahead. And if God has called you to singlehood, I bless that in Jesus' name. I bless the will of God, that you will follow the will of God, that you will know the will of God, and you will step into it fully, and you will carry that torch to the next generation from here to kingdom come. Amen? Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now church, what does witness mean? Martyr. So that basically means that since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of people that love us in this way, that they're willing to lay down their life for a friend. Let us throw off everything that hinders. 
That word hinder is O-G-K-O-S. It means a weight. So throw off, basically, if you can imagine, just lifting off this enormous weight upon you. Just, just lifting it off. But it's not that we have the ability to do it. Nobody has the ability to do this. It's the capacity of God within us that has that supernatural uh, ca- uh, capacity or ability to throw this thing off that we cannot do it in our own strength. That's the reason why we had, he had to die. Because we can't do it. If we could do it, we'd do it. But we can't, so we don't. But in him, we can. Because we can do all things through Christ. Who gives us what? Strength. strength. His strength, not our strength. He doesn't make us supermen and superwomen and, and super students and super... You know what? We become super witnesses because it's only his strength that does this. I'm going to give you an example of that. My mother and father um, moved in with my husband and I three months after we were married. That'll test your marriage. Okay, let me just put it right out there. That'll test your marriage. That's about, I'll put that right up there with wallpapering with your husband. I would, I would put that right up there. I love you, dear. I'm not going to ever wallpaper with you ever again. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but my parents had the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. Both of them, both of them struggled. And they were both kind of right there at the same amount. And so I studied Alzheimer's and I knew what was going on and what was going to happen and what the end. And we had made a, a decision and a commitment to remain with them, of course, in our home till the very end until, um, until we were no longer able to care in that and that we would make decisions based on, on whatever stage that they were in in that time and whatever their medical care needs would be. So with Alzheimer's, I don't know if you've ever experienced, my mother had Alzheimer's, my father had dementia, but it both showed up exactly the same way right so it was very needy and there was a thing about this um, memory thing that that even and you know the the greatest temptation it is for those of us who are struggling with parents with alzheimer's or grandparents or friends with that is that we want to orient them into our reality and so even the 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 doctors who in order to test them will ask them where they are and, and they'll ask specific questions like who is the president of the united states do you know what state you're living in do you know the name of your you know your pet and these kind of things well we learn from these doctors that that is the best way but really what they're doing is they're testing their condition in that moment right yet we take this information if because we're sitting in with them during these doctor's visits and we're wondering okay so that must be a good thing and so as our parents kind of fade from or whoever it is that we're caring for or, or visiting as they kind of fade our temptation is to try to bring them into a reality that they have no capacity to go I remember my um, very first Bible study I was brand new in the faith brand new in the faith um, and I'm just want to kind of remember my brand new faith and my first Bible teacher, if I ever have to ask you where, where I'm going with this. But my parents, um, I was an atheist, and they saw that I was transformed by the blessing, by the blessed, miraculous movement of God that delivered me from um, 30 years of alcoholism or, or 30, well, I started drinking when I was very, very young and just drowned myself and I could not quit drinking and I could not quit that lifestyle and it was, it was spiraling me down into depression, suicide and divorce. And my parents saw in this, God deliver that. <laughs> delivered me you know what you don't even have to say anything there's power in your story and just showing up there's no greater witness in a changed life when there's no other explanation but God if you can explain it God didn't do it anyway so who knows the mind of God so my mother and father accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord, and we were all baptized together. We were all baptized together. Now, just because you know the Lord does not mean that everything changes at that point, right? <laughs> that we don't even know what we have in us. We have absolutely no idea. We can be taught, and we can go to church, and we can do Bible studies, but until you apply the Word, which is alive, into your heart, it doesn't change us. It doesn't change us, and it takes the Holy Spirit to change us through the Word of God. I have read a lot of books. This is the only book that reads me. 
let the Bible read you. And I remember going to my first Bible study teacher as a brand new, raw, raw Christian. And I said to her, I said, I can't do this. My mother keeps repeating herself over and over and over. And my father, he's just, it's a wreck in our home. And I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just at my wit's end. I'm at the end of my rope. And I feel like I just need to tie, every day, I just need to tie that onto that rope and hang on. And she says, Aaron, you don't need to hang on to that rope. You need to let go. She says, you're doing it all wrong, dear. I said, well, what's the right way of doing this? And she says, Aaron, you need to change your perspective. You need to change the perspective in the way in which God has gifted you to change. She says, you're not supposed to carry their burden. You're supposed to lighten their load. It's a very big difference. If I carry their burden, that weight will break me. And that word, that Greek word, is not just a heavy weight, Let's throw off everything that hinders that heavy weight. But it's so heavy, it's so heavy that it will cause an object to bulge or bend. I'm walking around with this heavy burden and I'm just saying, I can't do it. And she goes, of course you can't do it. But why do you think we have a Savior? He's going to throw off everything that hinders. So I'm driving home and I'm going, wait a second. The Holy Spirit was just giving me a brand new perspective. Remember we're talking about this whole thing is about a change perspective. It's like, oh my gosh, this is, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is awesome. And I remember coming home to Matt and I said, this is the best news yet. We don't have to carry the burden. We just need to lighten the load. He goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, let's try this. Let's try this and let's get the kids together. And we got the kids together and we had the family meeting. And we said, let's do this with grandma and grandpa. I want you to consider every single time that grandma says the same thing over and over and over. All she knows is what the attitude is in that moment. And if we're anxious and anxiety, she doesn't know the moments before that that caused that. All she knows is the anxiety that she's experiencing right now. So what would happen if we were to respond to Every single thing she said with the same exact response that we did the first time she said it. And they were like, cool. Let's try that. So my mother, she was having lunch with us. She says, you know, I think I'm gonna, I'd like to go shopping after lunch. And I said, that sounds great. Can I go? Okay. About seven minutes later, she says, I think I'm going to go shopping after lunch. And I said, that sounds great. Can I go? Okay. As we're doing the dishes, mom says, I think I'm going to go shopping after dishes. I'll put the dishes down. That sounds great. Can I go? Yeah, I think so. That's, that sounds good. You know what happened? When we began to respond in the moment with the same attitude that we did, we learned how to step into the moment and enjoy the moment right now. But you know what the spiritual principle that was required to even work around that was the fact that we had to die to our selfish desire that grandma not do that. So we stepped out of our world and we stepped into their world. My mother, when she was, she, she would always regress in, in age. And, and so, and my father would always go into a completely different person. Um, one time he was, a, I don't know, what was he? He was in a, a homestead, and he was a cattle cattle guy. What do you call those guys? He was a cowboy. He was a cowboy. My father has been a city slicker since the term city slicker ever came out. He has never even been around anything. He would take my mother fishing, and he would sit in the car and read while she fished. I mean, this my dad had nothing to do with cattle, and my father was a cattle raiser. He was a cowboy, and I, I sat down. I was, a, I was on that cattle ranch with Daddy. And I've never, another time my father, I sat down and I went into his room and and he's sitting there very prim and proper. And I said, so uh, what are you here for? He goes, I'm waiting for my bit part. Are you? (laughs) Yes. Which part are you trying out for? I mean, so I stepped into his reality and he never got anxious. My mother would always regress back in time. I'm, I'm, making light, I'm not making light of this illness. I'm telling you, it's dreadful. But I'm telling you, there's a spiritual element in here where I let go of my rights to have my mother 
and my father the way I, re- I always knew them, and they taught me how to die to my selfish desires. They called me Mrs. Barkley for some reason. I do not know why, but I didn't ask. I'm Mrs. Barkley. But one day, I went in, and my mother was sitting on the floor, and she was playing with something, and so I sat down on the floor with her, and she looks at me. I said, what are you doing? She says, I'm playing with my doll. Do you want to play? I said, yes, I do. I do. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I played dolls with my mother when she was eight years old. Can you say that? Physically, it's impossible to play dolls with your eight-year-old mother. But spiritually, if we're allowed to come alive and step into everybody's moment and live in the moment we will learn to live intentionally with every single breath not living how we want them to live but living how they are living and understanding where they're coming from it's a completely different perspective it's being able therefore what's that therefore therefore being able to see people from no longer from a worldly perspective So the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Matt knew I was going to do the scripture and he says, you're not going to talk about sin, are you? It's not really a a pretty Mother's Day thing. Uh, And everyone knows that that's one place that I hit really, really hard is my sinful nature because with that, without understanding what Christ did on the cross and how he applied that forgiveness, we will never live a victorious life. It was a casual conversation that we were having in the car. Betty was there. But the thing is, is I want to share a story with someone that I know. And her name is Connie. And she came into our studio she was a um, I was a radio host for 10 years and I shared people's testimonies of what God has done in their life and this woman by the name of Connie came in and I didn't know Connie at the time but I know her now but I'll never forget the story because people share very very openly about their lives but the reason why they do that the whole point is our, of our testimonies to be a witness right to show how we died and he came alive in us how God redeemed our past is the witness and so she was sharing this story, and I will spare the details because I don't want any of you have to endure what, 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 what came out of her mouth as far as what she had suffered as a daughter of a mother who had very serious mental issues. I do love that precious little baby. If you think you're disturbing anyone, I bless that baby. I bless that baby. Oh, what a precious thing. But Connie came in and she was sharing about her life and how all these things happened to her. And twice I had the recording turned off. Twice. And I've never done this before in an interview. You know, you can, you know your subjects. You've read up on them. You know that you've read their books. You've, you know their lives pretty well before you interview them. You even have questions prepared in advance just in case you can't think of anything to ask. But I did not know this woman's life to the degree to which she was sharing it. And I bawled. I was crying. And then the second time I turned off the microphone, she says, Aaron, why are you crying? And I said, I can't believe anyone suffered as you suffered. I've never heard a story like this before. I have heard really bad stories. But I have never met anyone who suffered to the degree that you did. And she says, so why are you crying? If I don't tell you how it, where I came from, how will you know how big my God is? Do you see? I'm not crying. What God did is he applied that forgiveness on the cross and changed my perspective. I needed to to kind of paint a picture so you can see how powerful that forgiveness is. You see, I have forgiven them of everything as Jesus forgave me on the cross and says, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's applying. Living in Christ, a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Because why, John? Is it John? Mike's same thing no I'm just kidding I'm sorry sorry Mike you know I'm joking because we do not see people from a worldly perspective she didn't get taught that that wasn't something you 
teach someone. You, can, you cannot teach the things of the Spirit because everything about God is below the surface of our understanding. That's why he says, do not lean on your understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, but lean not on your own understanding because the Spirit is below the intellect and the emotion life. It's a place where no one can reach without Jesus Christ. It's that place where eternity reaches down into each one of us and says, I love you so much. I'm removing all of this and I'm going to expand your capacity to receive all of my love. And in that place is abundant life. This is not an exception. It's an everyday reality. It does not mean that the world is easier. It just means that we live in ease in the world. So, I had to take Connie out to lunch. You know, obviously, you had to, you know, you want to learn from people like this. I, I remember taking her out to lunch and we went to a sandwich shop and I had a list of questions I wanted to ask her, things that we didn't talk about in the interview because the interview was about her testimony, but I want to know, how do you live your life every single day right now? And so I remember asking her these questions and as soon as the, um, the server came, she says, I would like to order a sandwich without melted cheese and butter on it, please, or mustard. It came with melted cheese and mustard. She goes, would you please leave the mustard and the melted cheese off? No problem. So as we're talking, the server comes with the sandwich. And as she's, she's talking, and she lifts it up, and what's in it? Melted cheese and mustard. I mean, they just missed the order. Or maybe she picked, they picked up the wrong one. But regardless, she put the bun back down, and she cut it, and she was eating with, and without even a thing. And she didn't even know I did one of these. And she just carried on as though nothing happened. And the server came by and, and left. And she's continuing. I'm talking to her. I said, wait, I, I'm sorry. I just got to, I have to stop for just a moment. You ordered this without melted cheese and mustard on it. Um, can we get you the right one? She goes, I mean, the server's right there. She goes, why? I said, because you're paying for a sandwich with melted cheese and, without melted cheese and mustard. And she goes, oh, I just figured that's the way God wanted me to have it. And then she carried on with her talk. I said, what? She didn't do that. She didn't plan this with the kitchen. She didn't even plan her response. She really believed that whatever my lot, the Lord has taught me to say, it is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. It doesn't have to be a big national ministry or a big message that you put out there. It's not about the big job and the big title. It has nothing to do with any of that. You know what? It talks, it's what happens at the midnight hour when you're rocking that baby and you need sleep because you have that presentation in the boardroom tomorrow. It's about this thing that's happening when you are on the... On the on the, on the battlefield, I'm talking about a battlefield on the soccer field with all these other mothers around here and they're, they're talking to you about your faith and they're ridiculing you or they're, they're competitively trying to elbow you with their child and here you are, you're standing firm in your faith and you're standing with love because you know that they are struggling in their life or else they wouldn't act like that. You see, it's not what happens to us in life that matters. It's how we respond that reveals to the world what we really believe. And if we can truly live with an with a expressed, magnified, manifold, uncreated love of God that moves in a way that is countercultural to what the world is doing, all you have to do is show up, sir. That's all you have to do. You show up. And we'll see it. We'll see it. I bless you in your ministry, by the way. I bless you. Yes. And you, sir. And you, ma'am. And you, and you, and you. I bless you. Amen. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let's run this race with perseverance. You know what that word perseverance means? I'm coming down the back stretch if you're not noticing that. We're, we're running this race together. And I was thinking, okay, we're going to charge out of this church today. We're going to charge out. 
You know, we're running this race with perseverance. Yeah, this is a very forward momentum message, right? We're going. But do you know what that word perseverance means in the Greek? It means, it means to stop. It's, it means patience. It means to, to stop and to pause. It means an intense, repetitive pause. It's like, what, what is it? How do you run and pause at the same time? You know, have you ever thought about that? I mean, you can't. I mean, do we live or do we die? Are we first or are we last? If you want to be first, you must be last. If you want to win, you must, what? Give up and lay down your life for your friend. If you want victory, you have to understand what the battle is. If you want healing, we need to know what pain is. This is the way in which God says, if we want to run this perseverance, we cannot run in our own strength. He is the legs that run it. We're going to run this race with perseverance, with our eyes set on the goal. I began saying that we cannot see God. The scripture says we cannot see the face of God this side of heaven. But we can behold his glory this side of grace. And the glory is found in the gospel that's expressed through the life of those who are no longer looking at others from a worldly perspective. So my mother and my father are ending their lives. We've been with them to, to the end. I just need to encourage you. That God will work through everything. He, he worked through me at a drunken stupor at 3 o'clock in the morning with a love that, that says, I love you just as you are. I didn't have to clean up my act first. He did it in me and in you. And it aligns us to the word through the spirit and his impression. I know that God is spirit. I know that God's alive because I was sitting by the bedside of my father the last couple of weeks of his life. He didn't recognize anyone. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know who was helping him. He was in the care center at that place. But you know what? I sat next to him and I wasn't Mrs. Barkley anymore. He didn't recognize anything in my eyes. That was okay. It was well with my soul because I had learned five years earlier how to live in the moment, not trying to get it my way, but learn how to experience God as he is living it so that he will experience love, not stress or trauma or anything like that, but love. And it was really a discipline that was learned. But I'm telling you, he may not know my name, but he knew Jesus because I would speak his name and he knew Jesus. He knew Jesus. He knew Jesus. Because Jesus cannot be understood intellectually. Jesus cannot be understood emotionally. He is expressed through our intellect and expressed through our emotions. But he can only be understood in the spirit. And spirit supersedes anything of the natural as the body wastes away. The spirit grows alive. I will never forget the very last two days of my mother's life. She was in a, 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 she was unable to respond. She was in an unresponsive condition. And one moment as she was in hospice, she sat straight up and she says, it's beautiful. Can you see it? Can you see it? I said, what do you see, mom? And she says, it's so beautiful. She had an open heaven experience. She could see the colors and the smells. She could see the people coming. She could see the people welcoming me. She told me who was there. It was her mother and her father and all of these people who I know were dead. But it was such a glorious thing to know that they were alive and safe and that they were in heaven. And she was telling me, she says, and I see Kay and I see Jean. I said, wait a second, Aunt Kay? And she said, well, yes. I didn't tell her that Aunt Kay had died two days before that because... Well, there was no way to tell her. I said, Aunt Kay's dead? She goes, oh no, she's alive. I see Aunt Kay, and I see Jean, and I see... 
She was seeing things from a different perspective, and it was not a worldly perspective. And I had to ask her. I said, oh, Mom, can you see Jesus? Is Jesus there? And she goes, oh, Jesus is here. And I said, tell me what he looks like. I just want to make sure the picture that we have in the hallway was right. I mean, seriously, when did you ask that question? And she looked up, and she started to squint. She goes, it's too bright. It's too, I can't see his face. I can't see his face. He's too bright. It's too bright. And then she started to cry. And I said, oh, mom, I'm sorry. I mean, I just kind of ruined this experience. Because <laughs> I wanted it. I didn't step into her experience. But what I learned there was the word is alive and the word is true. She never read the word. She was only six months in the faith. And certainly not able to read. But I will tell you this. My brother, my unbelieving brother came. My soon-to-be brother came. Because since then, my brother and my sister has come to know the Lord as well. But as we were both standing over my mother, and we could tell that she was laboring her last breath, and we're just, this is our time. It was just a very private time between the three of us that God had given us. And my mother went back into that place of unresponsive, um, that condition, that, that when your body shuts down. And I will tell you, when we were looking down at my mama, who I bless and honor on this Mother's Day, she was breathing, and all of a sudden she opened her eyes again, just like she did, but she didn't get up. She was in laying position, and she, she opened her eyes, and she went, <gasps> we, She wasn't looking at us. She was looking through us. And as I, as I watched, and my brother watched, she never breathed another breath. She died with her smile on her face and a testimony on her lips without using words. And my brother said, what just happened there? And I said, oh, Dan, Mama just saw the face of God. Jesus. Jesus. In living color. Color. 